Todd. I think Amber's been pretty clear about how she feels. I'm nothing like my dad. I want to be just like you. I fought to keep this planet safe. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Doll Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing the last two episodes of Invincible, episodes 7 and 8. I'll talk about it in order that way, just so that anybody that hasn't seen 8 can listen to 7, and if they need to pause it, then they'll jump into 8 right after. So, uh, episode 7 of Invincible. Let me just say, leading up to this episode, I've been very impressed with the pacing for this uh, season. I know a little. I was a little bit critical of it at the beginning of the uh, season, thinking that I don't know what was it, forty-five minute episodes or forty-minute episodes were a little bit lengthy. I got to say that I think I might backtrack a little bit on it because. It might have had to do more with the pacing and kind of understanding why we should care about these characters. That it just took a while in the first little bit to kind of get going. I know that can be a criticism of uh, a lot of television is the first few episodes are a little bit rocky because they're laying out so much of the world and so much of the exposition has to happen in these first few episodes. So um, with the way that it's... uh, it pans out, I gotta say that I was very impressed. Um, not many uh, quibbles with how episodes uh, 7 and 8 uh, unfolded. So let's start with 7 first. Episode 7, we need to talk. After Debbie relocates to the GDA, uh, Cecil explains the truth before both Witness Nolan kill Cecil's associate, Donald Ferguson, and several GDA agents. Adding a Neuralink upgrade, the Rudy clone reluctantly euthanizes his uh, progenitor, I'm not even sure, I guess it's uh, it's his new body, I believe, paying and betraying the Mueller's, the new Rudy leaves for a guardian's summons so just to kind of everybody's like who the hell is what's going on it's the two blue guys that are twins that are are clones or whatever the hell that are helping um the new rudy who was formerly robot um uh, jump into his new you know kind of be absorbed into his new body this was a complete sub uh subplot of the show that I was not nearly prepared for and I love how it uh it's even as far back as the first episode when it comes to uh talking about cloning and talking about uh you know who's the real clone that type of thing there's all this talk of um being able to clone yourself and abilities to do that that type of thing and I love how it eventually comes back, and we see Robot getting ready to plan something through this entire season. And when it finally comes to a head at episode seven, you're like, "Oh my god, um, this is what's going on." The real Robot and this little jar bean has been hanging out for I don't know how long. And I love the detail that they talk about um, with uh, the real Robot, who's in this uh, 
uh, who's in this jar, how, you know, he probably smells because he didn't plan on ever leaving that thing. He always has like a backup plan. It kind of reminds me of this little, uh, that scientist that's, uh, that tiny little scientist in the Bad Max, um, world when, um, when they show him, uh, anyone that's seen the most recent Mad Max will know what they're talking about. It kind of looks like little, uh, the robot. So, um, yeah, something has happened to Robot. I don't know if it's explained in this season yet or if it's in the comics of why he's, uh, why the real robot is in this uh, tube thing. So, anyway, Robot gets a new body and he takes, using the DNA of... Um, what is his name? Oh, fuck. I can't find his name. Um, Manzuka's character. Rex. He takes the... Uh, Rex Splode. He takes Rex Splode's body because he under- he sees that um, Monster Girl was somewhat interested in um, Rudy a little bit earlier in the season. So yeah, there's... Um, what I'd call this is very... Uh, detailed writing when it comes down to the plotting of this and I'm really loving it okay so Rudy leaves for the garden summons um he explains to the team who are taken aback by Rudy's revelations before learning the truth of Omni-Man and realizing their predecessors fates um Cecil buys time by taking by talking to Nolan but before retreating to deploy Sinclair's uh reanimate and a modified kaiju to kill him. Um, yeah, and at this point, anyone that has seen, um, what is that called? Uh, born. What was it? Uh, um, that evil Superman kid, Brightburn. <clears throat> anyone that has seen Brightburn will get. Super bright burn vibes. I'll just kind of give a quick non-real. I don't think it's a spoiler to say any of the synopsis of that bright burn movie. Bright burn is essentially if uh, what if Superman came to Earth but decided not to be a good guy, um, and it's from the perspective of the kid. So you get this. You got this like evil kid and his teens running around creating chaos and bright burn. Um, this mo- this show feels like if Brightburn had taken that concept and he- the kid grew older. Um, it's absolutely horrifying to think if there was superhumans at this point. The the probably the best case scenario right now is that there aren't superhumans or there aren't superheroes out there because if there were, there would certainly probably be um, supervillains because this is how it would happen. Some one person would have too much power and from that it would it would cause a chain reaction of other people saying this person or this entity cannot have this power they are too powerful and that if they inevitably turn on us then you know we're we're done and that was always a a, a conversation they had in um i want to say they had this conversation in x-men a lot as well so anyways they have this giant kaiju coming to kill uh trying to kill uh omni-man Unfazed by Mark revealing his superhero identity, having deduced the truth two weeks earlier, Amber dumps him as he never trusted trusted her before. Um, as he never trusted her before. 
Oh, oh, he never trusted her before um, with telling his uh, secret identity. Mark, uh, Mark, at this point, there is like this coming of age storyline that is coming along this entire uh, series as well, even as an animation. By the end of the eighth episode, I forgot I was watching an animation by the way it was making me feel. The adult themes that are happening in this even though there's this coming of age you know will they won't they kind of thing there is this real talk between these individuals that feel um like these are real characters there's they're even though they are animated it feels like these are natural characters and this is how they would naturally feel and amber is not stupid she understands and she's known for a while um mark seeks Eve's wisdom, but she sternly criticizes his selfish behavior when the so selfish behavior. When the two intercept Nolan's fight with the kaiju, Cecil calls Eve to abandon Mark and rendezvous with the Guardians. Just as the Maulers revive Immortal, he flies off to battle. Um, Omni Man and avenge uh sorry just as the maulers revive immortal immortal is the character that looks like uh uh abraham lincoln uh but like super badass and i love that they even address it i think there's this like really quick edit or this flash in his eye i think that it shows him like as abe lincoln at one point and so it just it looks like a badass abe lincoln just doing all this crazy stuff and so um he flies off the battle to fight uh, to battle Omni Man and avenge his team's massacre, while Mark narrowly subdues the the kaiju. Um, news choppers capture Omni Man, killing Immortal in a live broad live global broadcast. Before Nolan finally asks to talk with a bewildered Mark. Um, yeah, and once again, this is uh, directed by Jeff Allen, and this one was written by Simon Ricopola. Uh, Rackalapola. I don't. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. That, that was my bad, Simon. Um, but yes, this lead up, this episode seven was absolutely crucial. It feels like everything is in place, all gears are go. I'm like, holy hell, how can this get any more crazy? I was losing my shit. I was like, at this point, this is probably one. Of, this is the best animated uh, show on Amazon Prime. And uh, it's kind of surpassed some of my uh, Netflix favorites with animations. But the more I think about it, Netflix has way more um, like hard dramas with like dramedies instead of like action dramedies, I guess. Um, because it, there's there's not really much action happening in the Netflix um, animation shows with the exception of maybe some of the anime that they're creating. I'm not as familiar with their anime, but I am a little bit more familiar with just the regular animation. Um, but yeah, so this was um, certainly something to get hyped about. So let's hop into episode eight. Everyone that has not watched episode eight and finished the season, um, this is where you are going to pause and come on back. Come on back. Bring the popcorn. Bring the friends. Bring grandma. Grandma hasn't seen shit like this, so you better you get better tell her to grab her yogurt. Oh yeah, get that yogurt and uh, and get ready, because you were going to want to be, uh, uh, I guess quenched or satisfied or whatever. You're gonna want to have all your 
vices right by your side. Grab your beer, grab your cocktails. I don't care if it's eight in the morning. This is episode eight because we got to get it crazy. Actually, it's probably bad. Don't uh, don't don't listen to me. I'm not. Uh, I'm. Um, yeah, just don't. Yeah, whatever. Let's start on episode eight. I was kind of rambling just so anybody that needed to pause the podcast could. So let me get a little sip of this good good and. Uh, and uh, I'm sipping on a little bit of pre-workout this morning because I'm about to head to the gym after watching this episode. Um, yeah, it was, I actually watched it last night. I'm recording it the morning after. So I woke up this morning. I feel like I got hit by Omni-Man after this one. Episode eight, where I really come from directed by Jeff Allen and written by Robert Kirkman. Nolan reveals he came as an infiltrator to weaken and conquer earth for the Viltrumite empire. This was essentially the same story he told at the beginning of, uh, of the show with the exception of him saying that he's going to protect the worlds that he's going, he's leaving Viltrumite to do instead of protecting it. He's destroying them. He's, um, I guess making it so it's easier for the Viltrumite empire to conquer, which in one sense, you're like, okay, I get it. I get it. This guy's, this is his actual motivations. He's been here for thousands of years the the lifespan of Mark has been like a speck on the windshield of his entire life, and he's about to just clean the whole thing shut. Um, this episode is extremely grim and dark and deep in a way that <clears throat> in in the not so great camp makes it feel like. Omni-Man is no longer relatable in any sense. For the first few episodes, you kind of try to sympathize with him and of why he would want to do this, why he would need to do this. At the end of this episode, you're like, I could almost never sympathize with him. Um, not even a little bit. So, uh, Mark is effortlessly outmatched by Nolan brutalizing him while devastating Chicago and killing thousands. So this is all in like one or two lines, but the animation that is happening here, honestly, I wanted as much conversation between these, these two characters as, as I could, because every time they punched, I would, I'd like wince physically. I'd be like, God, can y'all just stop fighting so y'all can have a conversation? And Omni-Man is just like, I need to beat you till you learn. And it's, uh, you know, he's, it's the kind of thing like join me and we can conquer the world together kind of thing. But like, uh, uh, Mark is not having it. Mark, Mark understands that these are real people. These are, um, people with thoughts, feelings, futures, you know, etc. He has friends, he has his mom, he has his family. I I find it kind of hard to believe that Omni-Man would think that Mark would just uh, unabashedly would turn his back against Earth just because he has powers. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have feelings like Omni-Man. Um, and I love some of the 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 grand scale of things like having being punched by Omni Man the dude uh, his if when Omni Man punches you at, at one point 
uh, I know I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but at one point, Mark is punched into the ground so hard that it causes uh, an avalanche or some sort of earthquake of some sort. And it it just becomes like so brutal that I'm like, this is, uh, it's the... I don't know torture porn for animation. Is that is that a thing? I'm I'm sure that there's some really terrible like animation out there that has to do with you know brutalizing other people. That's uh, as mainstream as this. But I don't think I've seen something that is just like straight up just people getting shredded left and right. And I guess one of the hardest things to watch uh, watch. Um, this happened in a way it, it felt like we were watching an animated version of living in Batman v Superman with Zack Snyder uh, or uh, directing because we get street and ground view of how terrible it would be for a superhero battle to be happening in the middle of uh, let's just say Chicago um, uh, an entire building falling in uh, in the suit so I have a couple things. I wish that there was more superheroes that were helping the people. I know that they kind of come in sort of last minute, but there is so much death. There is so much of uh, Nolan just putting his son's face right in the fa- uh, right in the middle of you know literally a tr- a, an oncoming train coming uh, with his face just absorbing every single blow that would happen with a train going through and they're too strong to uh to die from it so they just have to sit there and mark just takes the blow with his dad holding his head to this train straight to the dome with all these fucking bodies of people and debris and all this bullshit it is insane when i was watching this i thought at least there would be some sort of a little bit of a matchup, you know, maybe Mark get an, an edge in some way. There's absolutely no edge Mark has. The only edge Mark has is being, uh, quote-unquote, invincible. Because he literally got the shit beat out of him. And so, um, yeah, there's about three or four massive scenes, I think, that where you just see that Omni-Man is just an unstoppable force. And there's one point where, okay, so like Nolan throws Mark straight through Chicago. We see this young woman and her daughter falling out of a building. He tries to save almost everyone he's trying to save is being just squashed or killed or, or destroyed in some way. You know, when movies, when they show people getting out of the way, when there's this big explosion happening, you're like, oh, thank goodness. They all they got was a little debris on them. Absolutely not. In this animation, no one gets away in the debris. If there's any debris coming towards you, you're probably squashed, ripped apart, smashed. Something crazy is going to happen to you. And you do not want to be a non-main character. Hell, even being a main character, you might get fucked up. But, uh, yeah, uh, Doug Ferguson, Cecil's uh, side dude, was uh, definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time, spying on Omni-Man's place, Omni-Man's house. Um, so yeah, with all of this happening, uh, Nolan's having flashbacks of his childhood and, 
sorry. Nolan brutalizing Mark while devastating Chicago and killing thousands. But when Nolan's flashbacks to Mark's childhood, uh, he realizes, realizes what he has done to Mark and tearfully flies off Earth. So I think it's a little bit too late to have some sort of heart at the end of what he's done. He's literally killed thousands, killed some, he's killed his best friends. He's, uh, quote unquote, best friends. Um, he's, at that point, he solidified himself as kind of being an outsider. And you do get a, a small perspective of this guy is almost like Dr. Manhattan levels of, uh, omnipotent because he's just seen so much probably he's probably seen destructions of worlds at this point and you know what had been was going through my head the entire time i was like you know what omni-man has probably run this uh gambit many times he's probably if he's living thousands of years um mark probably has brothers omni-man might have killed his former sons he's might have killed his former wives there's so much about this omni-man character that I didn't even think about until he said, oh yeah, I've been here thousands of years. You don't even understand. It's, it's just all so small and, and irrelevant in perspective of who we are. And it's like, wow, he probably, he at one point he even says, I'll just make a new son. I was like, holy Santa Claus shit. I was like, this dude's literally scum of the earth. Or he's scum of off the earth. <laughs> he's He's the worst person I've ever heard of. Um, and so for him to just flip a switch and all of a sudden just hate his family and have no affection about his wife or anything is really heartbreaking, especially for, uh, Cecil to have, you know, the drones listening in on all of this so that Debbie can hear this. The Guardians and Eve mobilized to aid Chicago's, real, uh, Chicago's relief efforts. Like, I swear, why, why weren't y'all out there sooner? I wanted some more of that. Um, people being helped and stuff like that because obviously Mark couldn't do it alone. Later Cecil uh, falsely later Cecil falsely falsely sorry later Cecil falsifies uh, Nolan's citizen's death and a gas explosion. Okay so sorry Cecil fakes the death of Nolan and basically the entire family I believe. With Nolan's books, uh, book royalties able to keep Debbie and Mark financially afloat. I don't know why Debbie couldn't work. A devastated Debbie goes for a shared drink with Rosenbaum. Also hurt. Um, since Nolan's betrayal. Rosenbaum was like the Alfred of, uh, of the universe. You know, he was kind of like the older Taylor that was helping out Nolan, I guess, with his, uh, uh, sorry, helping out Debbie with her research and stuff like that. And then I thought he was going to be dead. I was, it, it, it did kind of hurt to see that, like, you know, Omni-Man literally broke off all of his, when he flew away upset with everything shedding off of him into the, uh, you know, the blood and all of this shedding off of him into the universe, um, it's quite a scene, but with doing that, this dude's leaving his family, he's leaving his son, he's leaving his, uh, his best friends like Rosenbaum, or supposedly, uh, best friend, or one of his best friends, 
After two weeks of recovering, Mark and Amber restart their relationship. Um, before getting into the, the two weeks uh, bumper, I got to say, the absolute devastation of uh, Mark getting literally beat to hell and back. And he's essentially almost unable to breathe. He's coughing up blood. And the only thing is his father is like, why won't you listen? He's like, you know, after a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand years, all or whatever the hell he says, you know, there's going to be nothing left of this earth. You know, why do you keep on fighting that type of type of thing? And he says, you know, Mark says, I'm going to have you. And, uh, that was a that was a moving line that even after uh, the devastation of everything that's happened on earth and all the pain that omni-man has caused physically on his son and emotionally that he's you know still saying i'm going to have you dad And so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that was quite a moving line. I'm not sure if that would be the line that would trigger him to stop beating his son. Um, I guess my biggest problem was believing that Omni-Man would just completely uplift his life just for this. Um, yeah, so after two weeks of recovering, Mark and Amber restarted their relationship as she and William learn Eve is also a superhero. Cecil calls Mark about something approaching Earth and intercepts Alan. This is the Seth Rogen voice uh, alien character. Updating him on events, Alan apologizes for not giving Mark forewarning about the Vitramites. Um, but, the, uh, but with Nolan's abandoning Earth, Alan warns that a Vitramite fleet will come for Earth. While also thinking Invincible could help the Coalition stop the Vitramite uh, expansion. Meanwhile, the Molars are once again arrested as villainous forces from the recent year conspire for inevitable returns. And Cecil has uh, Sinclair mass-produced Reanimin drones as Vitramite countermeasure. So we get a lot of tracks laid for the next two seasons of Invincible, given that Amazon has already ordered all of this, which makes me feel a little bit better. That means that they are going to be writing the end of season two to be gearing into the to, uh, to season three. That means they don't have to immediately think that they're going to be canceled at the end of each season. Um, this Definitely was one of the most uh, thought-provoking and most entertaining pieces of media on Amazon Prime Media. It's what I'd consider a must-watch. Um, All-star casting. Uh, really, really tight writing. Um, yeah, and it's overall something we just have not seen before it does take a lot of cues from the nihilism of the boys however i think there is enough um 
charisma that is fed through the voice actors um, that really makes me, you know, geared up and excited to watch these. Um, they even have like side characters like uh, Ezra Miller um, before he was doing some crazy shit off, uh, you know, on the web or whatever. I, I used to enjoy Ezra Miller's uh, kind of craziness when he's uh, when he plays this evil, um, uh, evil like college asshole that's uh, making these drones and stuff like that, abducting kids. I do like how there's these kind of smaller episodes within the grand scheme of this entire season um, that eventually feed into the larger narrative, just like the Mad Scientist. Um, and let me think, what else? Uh, the the twins, the clones. Um, we got Robot. We got Cecil's backstory. There's a, a grand world that has certainly been opened. Uh, opened. The door has been kicked open since this uh, has been dropped. Um, mixed feelings about it being uh, week by week. I will say um, I felt like I needed to binge binge the entire thing. I wanted to watch the next episode as opposed to I'm watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. And I feel like I'm satisfied at the end of the episode. I don't need to watch the next episode like I do need needed to watch the next episode of uh, Invincible. So there, there's a couple like small pacing uh, quibbles I had with other shows that I don't have with this one. Um, I thought I was going to. I thought it was going to be a little wonky with the pacing and whatnot at the beginning, but I think that this ultimately was a very satisfying feature. Um, uh, sorry, piece of media. So um, let me know how I can improve the podcast. Let me know how I can... Um, Improve the reviews, um, comments, questions, concerns at Lucky Doll Podcast. Check out all of the links in the description. If you want this early, get the uh, get the Patreon, patreon.com slash Lucky Doll Podcast. If you want on YouTube, get on Twitch, get on SoundCloud, get it master on SoundCloud, get it uh, on your podcast provider of choice. Once again, let me know if you have any questions, luggedog at gmail.com. 